Well, hello and welcome back. My name is Joe Robins and I am your host today on Unplug Yourself. This is my public broadcasting network voice and I'm hoping that you enjoy your day and that you will enjoy the rest of this show whereby you listen to an interview with someone that I know. (laughs) Oh man. Anyway, look, this is a long one, which is a good thing. I enjoyed it. And sometimes when I'm with people that uh, like to talk, we talk. And sometimes I just need to talk. I am astounded and constantly amazed by how little I know about the people that I think I know. Not to say that I think I know everybody well, but sometimes there's a comfort in knowing people and, and it's possible that you just don't actually know that much about them anyways, or at least their story or why they are the way that they are or where they come from or what motivates them or you know the small bits and pieces. I mean, I like to think that I pay attention, that I'm aware a little bit more than the normal person of how people tick and what they do and why they have the quirks that they have, but sometimes you don't know why. And in this scenario, in speaking to Gigi Sang, or Gigi T. Sang, which is, I think, her stage name, I had uh, found out a whole bunch about Gigi that I had really very little uh, understanding of. Not to say that this is groundbreaking information that makes me change my perspective or perception of who she is as a person, but it does paint a very unique picture of an origin story of somebody who is who they are. And uh, in talking to Gigi, I couldn't help to almost visualize every single thing she was saying to me in a hyper-realistic, detailed manner when she told me about her upbringing and where she came from and her family and all the bits and pieces that made up, you know, her childhood and her adventure in life. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's unique and everyone has a unique story, but uh, sometimes just knowing that much more about somebody makes it that much more intimate. And, and I think I'm really enjoying like, getting to know people better and uh, actually spending time with people in a unique way. Um, I'm, I'm enjoying this. This is fun. Um, there is something that I've kind of come across, and in, in, uh, and I don't know if this is unique to to women specifically, and I'd be interested to hearing feedback from anybody who who has the same thing, um, being that I'm just the you know upper end white male, you know, surviving and living life. Um, but there's a commonality amongst women who kind of bump into you know, a moment where mass change or things are, are changing and they, they go and travel and really figure a lot of stuff out. Um, I mean, I know people travel and I know people figure things out and I know that, you know, people have those moments, but sometimes it, uh, it, you know, it sounds, you know, a little bit different. And when somebody's talking about how it was, you know, more daring to do that, or, you know, they, they were looking for something and then they go off and they really put themselves out there into a foreign environment and, and, you know, really go for something that's different. Uh, they find something uh, and they create that change that they're looking for, get that perspective or clarity. And uh, I've just kind of caught that a few times in talking to a few of the different people that I've been interviewing who have done that. They, uh, it has been specifically women, but that could also be my uh, just the the fact that I've you know had a few more female interviews. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think men's perception of situations are different. And I, I just found it unique that you know, uh, in this interview and in the previous one, there was some, some common 
traits amongst uh, you know hitting some hard times and really putting uh, you know them the person you know putting themselves out there and finding something different by going traveling. Um, you know, and I, you know, I applaud that. I think that, uh, trying new things is important. I think getting out there and challenging yourself to be vulnerable and experience new things is important. I think we all need to do it. And I think we all need to be there and, and part of this with everybody we know. Um, you know, whether you go with someone or go solo, I mean, geez, either way, you're going to be doing something new and different and exciting. And, uh, those are the things we should be looking for in life. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, a little bit, a uh, little bit of a thing. Uh, GGT Sang, GG Sang, coming in doing the interview. I've known GG for some time. We kind of we work together, and that's the the primary purpose of the, I guess, the engagement or the relationship. Um, but I've, you know, we've kind of maintained some contact and caught up for coffees and lunch here and there. And uh, and you know, I I found uh, GG to be a very interesting person just to work with. Uh, let alone someone to talk to. It's funny. She's always concerned if it's good enough. I, I, I think there's a common theme there, but um, I think Gigi does a great job in what she does. She's always working really hard. So yeah, I guess that you know this this is the interview with her. But before we jump into that, I just want to kind of do a little bit of the call outs. I appreciate uh, everybody who's listening. I mean, I tell you what, the numbers are going up. I don't know what's going on there. If you're a new listener, thank you. I appreciate that. If you're an existing listener, also thank you for sticking through this. Uh, it's an evolving thing I, and I uh, seem to be sticking to my guns around how I'm doing it a little bit, but there's some comfort in what I'm doing and I'm just trying to maintain that continuity there. Um, for those that like it short, there's that food for thought where Joe turns into a crazy tinfoil hat monstrous weirdo, and I'm okay with that. I'm, I, I guess that's who I am, and that's what I'm all about to a certain degree. And those that get on the inside of my circle will find out that um, you know I've got some some crazy crazy thoughts going on in my head. So if you're enjoying those, you know, uh, hey, what's up, crazy? Welcome to my world. Um, and those that are just in it for the unplug yourself and the interviews, I. Um, I, I, I'm getting, uh, you know, a lot of runs here with this and this is some good stuff. So appreciate the fact that people are sticking this thing out and, and riding it out. So, uh, yeah, so really just a pause to say thank you. And also to let Nathan know that he could have fast forwarded to six minutes and 30 seconds and, uh, gotten past all this. So he could have saved himself some time because this is a long one, Nathan, it's going to be a two tripper for you two two part commute, buddy. Uh, without further ado, everyone, Gigi saying, uh, and I thank you. Um, all right. Well, let's let's kick into it. So, Gigi, so I guess you kind of know the format a little bit, which is cool. Mm-hmm. I thank you for coming on the sh- on the show. Or as you're aware, my son corrects me and says it's a podcast, Dad. It's not a show, <laughs> uh, which I think is uh, unfair of him to take that away from me because it's my thing and I can call it a show if I want to. That's the way I feel about it. Jet, he doesn't listen to this, which is great. Um, Gigi, I have to ask you one thing first before we get started. The enunciation mm-hmm. of the surname... I want to say yeah. sang, but yeah, there's a T in it, which yeah. really makes me want to say sang in a very different <laughs> way. And I don't, am I, it's just silent, right? It's just. That is correct. It right. is just silent. So it's yeah. just sang. So mm. T-S-A-N-G, just yeah. sang. Um, Geech, well, yeah. yeah. Very, um, actually it's very good. Most people don't. 
and I guess we worked together and you were kind of my manager. So I feel like you had, should know yeah. my well, last name. It's more like I have, um, and I, it may have happened since uh, we have worked together, that there was, I, I listened to this really inter- interesting thing about um, foreigners who have hard names. Um, mm. And and I think it might have been Asian culture where they come in and they actually pick a Western name because it's easier. Yeah. And people picking a different first name because they don't want um, to deal with people mispronouncing their name. And like the Western, mm-hmm. Western world really just, butchering the shit out of names and not trying and so it made me really rethink like well actually I'm not good and and one of the points that they made is that it's okay to ask like Mm. and 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 in doing so you then learn and all that but that because those borders like those things weren't being crossed and people were like Mm. being weird about it um you know it's just one of those oddball things so I'm like yeah no I'm gonna ask now um because I just make sure like I can assume it but then I could be wrong and that's unfair too right so yeah I think it's better to ask and I think that most people don't and then they make I mean I feel quite fortunate what 2019 thank you Gigi Hadid for you know bringing the name Gigi into the forefront a little bit more because you know people would look at that and maybe it was just a result of not growing up in the city but they'd look at you know Gigi and I mean I don't think it really looks that difficult to pronounce no. um, but you got some great variations like oh. Gigi, Gigi. Uh, gu- guy Ooh. guy like it's right. amazing some of the the names that people come up with like the pronunciations um, and also the spelling variations that I've received um, in the past as well actually I do still receive yeah, but as right. I said thank you Gigi Hadid for, even yeah. though it's not your real name just like to point that out it's popular um, yeah it's for you know popularizing the name a little bit more yeah oh well that's cool because i mean they're in my in my heart of hearts i want to call you ggt sang but <laughs> you can if you want. i you feel can. like I that's a, like, a fun like way it. it's yeah. a strong name i know uh <laughs> speaking to ggt sang on the phone today <laughs> oh boy all right so gg sang thank you for coming on and uh doing this and throwing yourself out there i know we met up not long ago to negotiate this a little bit you wanted to check it out catch <laughs> up what are you going to get me into joe um which i thought was fun it was good to catch up with you um we, i might i might bring up a couple of things from that chat because i'm interested to see if you've reflected on a couple of things that came up mm. but um before we get into that why don't you give us a little bit of a background because as i always say i don't know who listens to this and the people listening to it don't know the people who i talk to so let's uh let's uh, hear a little bit about who who you are jeej Oh, well, I mean, where do I start? Well, you can start anywhere Um, you want, and then I'm going to ask questions and run us up and down the dial. Like, do I start from, you know, when I was born on a, I don't know what time or when or what the weather was like when I was born. Sure, well, Um, that sounds like a great place to start. Do I start start there or do I start, (laughs) you know, as an adult? Why don't we start with who is Gigi today? And then we mm-hmm. can work backwards to like, you know, where and I'll ask you probably where you're born and or where, you know, and stuff as a result. So let's uh, who, who's Gigi today? What's Gigi doing today? Um, Gigi today, I guess, lives in Sydney. Yep. For those of you who don't know who I am or are listening and don't know anything. Yep. So Gigi today lives in Sydney, Australia, not Canada, because there is one in Canada. Yes, sir. Um, mm. There is. And uh, I work as a product manager for a startup called Compono. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been there for about, uh, I guess, like three years now. Yeah, we actually just had our three-year birthday, which is pretty amazing, I think, for nice. a startup. Yeah. Um, actually, you, Joe, gave me, I guess, my first product role. Sure, yeah. Um, 
gave me the start into it and it's been a pretty exciting journey since then. Um, I like to cycle. This is new, Joe. I didn't use to cycle before. I uh, now like to cycle. So I cycle on my commute and it's very enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Um, I also really enjoy football or soccer, as Mm. some people may refer to it as. Mm I played for a very long time um, and at a fairly competitive level for a while. Yep. Um, what else is there about me? I have a beautiful French bulldog called George who's mm-hmm. nine months old um, and I love him like a child. It's really disturbing. Yeah. And um, how, does, how does he treat his mother on a regular basis? How does he treat his yeah, mother? Yeah, how does George treat his human mother? Oh, oh you know, he goes through phases. Yeah. Like, I was working from home yesterday, and he was so needy, just kept trying <laughs> to climb into my lap while I was working, you know, just crawling under the table yeah. so we could lie at my feet. Mm. And then other days, he's just like, no, no, no thanks. Super independent. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Mm, so mm. Uh, he's 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 all right. And then other days it's like I'm just going to pee here. Yeah. Right. In the house. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, my dog is. You know, he's two, and I have a very strict regimen with him. He's allowed to be near me, but only on his bed near me. So if his bed isn't near me, he's got to go lay on his bed wherever it is. But I always mm-hmm. kind of let him be near me. He's a shadow. Yeah. I call him my shadow. So it's a similar situation oh. where he needs to make sure that I think it's okay for him to do the things that he's doing. But everybody else yeah. in the hierarchical pack just gets sort of railroaded by him. You know, <laughs> he like just does stuff to them. And I'm like, you guys got to stop letting him do this stuff. Like he cannot do that because if he does it to me i get really angry at him like you know like a you know like a dog would like an alpha dog would do so he just thinks that you guys are below him you know because he like you know he's a, you know he's got that dane mastiff thing in him so he's big so he'll yeah. but he paws he'll he'll, he'll kind of smack you with his paw to get you to you know to get your attention and it's a total nasty thing because it's you know it gets you and if his claws mm-hmm. get into it you know it's by by design and not you know, not by design that he's hurting you, but like, you know, it happens. And then everybody's like, hey, you know, and they get mad. I'm like, well, don't let him do it. <laughs> Anyways, mm. dogs be yeah. dogs. I Which, mean, he's normally pretty good, George. Like he does lie on yeah. his bed next to my table. but he's just, And usually he's quite good at doing that. Yeah. For some reason though, yesterday, he was particularly needy. And, but unfortunately, he's just one of those just gorgeous looking dogs where yeah. he does those little puppy doggy eyes and you're just like oh okay come here and i'll give Mm. you a hug so what you're saying Gigi, is is you're a sucker you're a sucker (laughs) for puppy dog eyes oh i am and you know he does it so because he's like got the big ears and he's all just like oh but i just want you to love me oh what a life to live and george the name george was this a uh a coincidence that you went with the g name just like Gigi, or no, I guess like when we were thinking about getting a dog, um, and it was also probably why we ended up getting a boy as well. Right. Like, oh, I don't think I could really call you know a female dog George. I guess yeah. I could because they'd be more like Georgie, but then it's not really George. Yeah. Um, but you know when we're thinking about getting a dog and the type of dog, and I always really quite liked the name George. But right. then I think we were watching maybe Snatch or was it oh, right. Snatch, and there's um. 
Gorgeous George. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah, With Turk and Tommy, and um, and because he's you know he's really ugly. Yeah. Right. Yes. But he's called Gorgeous George, and so you know George is a French bulldog. So yeah, he's gorgeous, but he's also quite ugly at the same time, right? So his full name is actually Gorgeous George, but we just call him the dog's full name is Gorgeous George. Well, I mean, I probably should have registered him as Gorgeous George, but right. that's what I wanted, like probably what we so, intended to do, right. but we ended up just calling him George instead. <laughs> so when, he is actually like, I like to think of him as Gorgeous sure, George. Sure, sure. And when you introduce him to other dogs, you, you introduce him as Gorgeous George. This is Gorgeous George. Oh, no, I introduce him as George because I think people just don't understand the reference and maybe think I'm a bit weird uh, and a bit obsessed with my dog. So I'm pretty sure yeah. everybody is obsessed with their dog to a certain degree because having a dog that you take out of your backyard and introduce to other dogs is a level of obsession, right? Like there's something going on <laughs> there already. Just walking him around the street is one thing, but then going to socialize them means that you care, right? And like that's a big deal. Yep. So, you yeah, know, everybody's weird definitely. when you get to the dog park. That's all I know. Every time I've been to the dog park, it's always a weird experience. The dog park is definitely an interesting scene, I have to say. It yeah. is a scene, too. Cause yeah. You notice, like, because we, at the start, when we first got him, we still a pup. We didn't really take him down that much. And he wasn't sure. really off the lead or anything yet. And so um, in the last, you know, probably a couple of months or more, we've really started to go down to the park and, like, let him off his lead and run around and fetch. And, yeah. It's really interesting the like the social scene down yeah. there. So you get to know like all the, the well the awkward thing is you get to know all the dogs their names. Yeah. And then and then you don't really know the owners and you see them every time and you're like, Hey Yeah. Hi, mate, how yeah. you doing? Oh, good hey. good to see you again. And then you're like to the dog, Oh my god, Rhino, you're so cute <laughs> and you know the dog's name. Like every dog you know their name, but the owner you're kinda yeah. like, Yeah cool it's only socialized because i want to talk to your dog that's right that's right and i'm here for the job hey Gigi, where were you born were you born in sydney or no i was not so i was born in hong kong oh right um, but i moved here when i was 18 months so i was quite young oh right Uh, hence the lack of accent and how i sound very australian probably more australian than some of the australians i know yep okay and so 18 months. And did you, I, I'm trying to recall if you have siblings. I do. I have one older sister. Old, called that's Wendy. What I, yeah. yeah. I, I thought and sister, but I couldn't remember. Yeah. Oh, she lives in New York. Yeah, she oh, does. Nice. She's what been there for like, well, she's been living overseas for the last, well, since 2000 and I'm going to say six. Okay. I think she went to the World Cup in Germany oh, and right. then never came back. Oh, wow. <laughs> Wow. I think it was intentional. It wasn't intentional to stay away forever. It was like, right. I think World Cup Germany, live in you know London, do that whole, you know, the Australian moves to the UK, live, work, play right. thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I think she just ended up in New York and it just never really came back. So. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> what is she doing over there? Um, she works. Oh, God, this is, oh, please, I hope she doesn't listen to this because wow. I'm, probably going to mess this up but i think i think she's like head of people and culture at her company right so she's in hr HR, so she's very yeah yeah, she's in hr which is actually kind of great yeah i think so yeah like it's it's what she studied that's what you mean by kind of great (laughs) like she did recruitment and yeah yeah yeah, she does hr it's her thing and she's always done it it. yes i understand now yeah 
<laughs> it was like, because you're like, I think it's great, uh, kind of great. And I'm like, well, I don't know. Is it? I, I would have no idea. It's because uh, in your mind, you well, know more about your sister than I do. And you didn't tell me that bit. Yeah. I mean, like I, I do, I believe it's great. And yeah. I, I, she enjoys it. It's a good job. You oh, know, she must do well um, to, to be over there to do it, you know, not, not because yeah. you, to do it overseas is always a little bit harder, right? Because you got to go through uh, the, the grind she, of getting visas and work visas and stuff. So Yeah. Well, not so much for Australians going to the States. Like I don't really? know if people are aware, but there's actually like this special visa for Australians. Wow. Um, I, did I think not it's know like that. the J1. And if you're an Australian and you've got a degree and someone offers you a job that yeah. is related to your degree, then you can apply for that visa and you're pretty much guaranteed it. Cause I think there's 10,000 issued oh, every year. Right. Okay. Um, it was some like George Bush, um, John Howard deal. You know, we, you give wow. us these visas, we'll send troops somewhere. Oh, um, right. okay. you know, that, that old, you know, you give me something, I'll give you something back. Um, but it's been in since. And so she's been on that. So, I mean, I've had quite a few friends go to the States on that visa and do quite well for themselves. Obviously, it doesn't count towards PR, so you can't, you know, be like, I've been uh, here for 10 years under the J1, now give me, you know, permanent residency yeah. or like whatever. It's a separate um, thing. It's yeah. always, you know, temporary. You have to renew it every two yeah. years, but, you know, it's yours while you've got a job. Okay. Oh, interesting. I had mm. no idea about that. Yeah. Mm, mm. yeah. I just thought it was a pain in the ass to move over, do do things back and forth. Um mm. Mm, yeah, no, I suppose. No, no, no. I don't know. I think it's a. I mean, you've moved, Joe. Yeah, but I done. came. I came over on like just a holiday, with uh, masquerading as a holiday, with the intention to live here, at the time because like it was, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, it was with my. I had a de facto relationship. We'd been together for two years, so we were just just had to put the paperwork in, and we did that almost immediately once I was here. Oh, so within inside a thing, put the paperwork in. Illegals? No, no, no. I'm a full citizen. I'm an Australian <laughs> citizen. They've completely let me in, you know. And uh, so yeah, so I'm a full Australian citizen. I have the passport oh. to prove it. So did you have to give up your um? No. I'm gonna say no. No, I thought you did because it says on the. American government website. If you claim yeah. sovereignty to any other nation, yeah. um, you um, you forfeit your uh, American citizenship. And when you yeah. become an Australian, you claim sovereignty to the Commonwealth, like mm -hmm. Queen. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I guess I've given it up. And then um, yeah. I actually got detained in America oh. for not having my American passport and traveling through really? on an Australian one. Yeah. The funny bit. Uh, is is that once they prove you're an American, they cannot reject you entering into America. So you can go there without a passport, just wait in the long line where they harass you and ask you a bunch and of information. And they're like, why have you not got your... Oh, well, they just they just go through a bunch of background information. They got everything on you. Mm. So like, where did you live here? What what was the mm. previous address? What's your social security code? Like all that sort of crap. Mm. So we were talking about this in the office because we've got mm. two Americans on our team and mm. um, one's just got PR. And the right. other is working is on a visa and working towards it. But yeah. they were saying, yeah, you can retain your American citizenship. Uh, but you have to like pay taxes to both countries or something. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah. That's a bit rough, isn't it? Yeah, it is a bit rough. The old government money laundering schemes. <laughs> <laughs> the way that which I, that one, my, my last week's, uh, so one of the podcasts I do is called food for thought. And mm. I got real deep into the world of, uh, hate of government taxation. <laughs> because <laughs> uh, the amount of tax they do on taxes is unreal to me. 
and that they get away with it for no work, no effort. Like my big argument is, is if they basically run the government like a business, right? Mm. They've got profit and loss. They've got projections and projects. They've got all the stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, they don't perform well. So if it was a business, if it was say, even if it was a startup, their projects were run like startups and they had an amount of money to be given to, to get things done. Uh, I would say probably 99% of all projects would shut down because it's, they're ineffective and they don't work, right? And mm. so if you think about the government, the which way like they do it, like this whole thing about how they're considering not letting us drink water, like they, you know, the police can give you a ticket for drinking water in the car. So if mm. they think you're driving unsafe, uh, they can then ticket you for, you know, like because you were drinking water, uh, you can get a ticket for it. So you're not allowed to do anything in your car because mm. it's dangerous apparently. So, you know, it's like the, the, the way in which it's all structured, it's just like all this stuff's going down. Like they know best. They can take as much money as they want. And they can tax us multiple layers, multiple angles. Before you know it, you know, they've not only taken your income tax and they're taking tax on all the things you're spending money on, all this sort of stuff. And then they have a right to tell you that you're not smart enough to drink water in the car. It's just like I've just started to lose my mind because it's like, mm. what what are you guys doing that's of value? And how do you arrive at any of these things? Like, the amount they probably had, had to study. This is the reason the whole point of it is, is that they probably had to study back in the fifties about it, and they're finally just finished. You know what I mean? And like they're just they just returned this in, and it just got handed to someone who's like, oh, you know what? That's a great point. We could probably make some extra money on the roads if we make this a law, a law, so we can make pick up some extra cash. Good. This is a good study. We can say we did the work. Um, now we can give people tickets for uh, drinking water in the car. Oh God. Anyways, that's a long way to get there, but. Yeah. Anyway, I struggle with all that stuff. I'm an well, yeah, anti-government person. We I talked think. about that today. Uh, you yeah, know, right. yesterday about um, you know the new driver's licenses that you can oh, get on I your phone. I talked about this today. I got one. Oh you my got God. one? Yeah. So I got one, right? And yeah. you know, we went to um, I went to Yonkel with my cousin and like my uncle. Sure. And we were talking about it, and they're like, "Oh no, we haven't got it yet," because. Um, we went to a uh, um, like a leagues club, and I had to sign my cousin's husband in because he sure. hadn't changed his address. So yeah. we're like, "Come on, like it's not that hard. Just get online and do it. You can get like your license now mm. um, on an app." And they're like, "Oh, we haven't got it yet." And my uncle, he's like, "Yeah," in his sixties, just whips out his phone. He's like, "I've got one already." Yeah, I'm like. Okay, good point. Um, and also, weirdly, he had this, like, heavy vehicle license. I was like, right. what? Like, why do you have a heavy vehicle? He's like, yeah, I can drive, like, trucks. Right. I can drive buses. Like, he's like, I wouldn't do it now, though, you know, because, like, um, I just wouldn't do it now. But I can. Oh, I was geez. like, how did you get this license? Yeah. And, um, it was actually a really interesting story because um, – he got it a really long time ago in Queensland, sure. like back in 86, seven, he said, yeah. um, I think it was like he'd wife, his wife had just sort of like left him with like four kids and he was like, Oh, got the license in order to, um, supplement his income. Sure. Um, so that he could drive like buses and stuff around. And what did he say? Did he get like, I feel like he, I don't know if he was joking or maybe I heard the story wrong, but like he, there was something along the lines of he had, he took a case of beer somewhere and then he next minute he had a license. Oh, right. Um, I don't know. I mean, this was Queensland and you know, mid eighties, things sure. are pretty fast and loose. I feel like yeah. the license was paper yeah, for yeah. a very long right, time in right. Queensland. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, he's just like held on to, so when he came to New South Wales, they were like, oh, yep, cool. You got this license. Cool. We'll just like switch it over. Sure. Um, no tests, no nothing. 
and he's just renewed it like repeatedly and he now right. he still has this like heavy vehicle license which wow. um I think but the story I'm trying to get back to I suppose sure. is um we were, we went to Woolies doing our groceries and we were talking about and the girl behind the um Till's like oh you've got that and then she raised this point she was like oh but like you can get fined for you know, using your phone in the car so like if you're getting your license out you can get fined and I was like that sounds really stupid. Surely, like, yeah, that's not a thing. Yeah, like, but maybe you can. I don't know. I was very adamant you couldn't because I was like, that's dumb. Like, why would they put your license on a phone where they could then, you know, find yeah. you if you yeah. tried to get it out? But then, like, actually, maybe that's their grand plan. Well, I don't think that's the grand plan. Actually, when you go through and <laughs> and then you get the license, there's a little onboarding thing that they do. <laughs> And it oh, says to, yeah, I know everyone would skip through it. We, we do product design. No, I do product design. You do product design. We know nobody does the onboarding process. Just get me to the thing I want. Um, and they put all that effort into that little UX, but I kind of checked it out cause I was like, what am I getting into? It actually says yeah. only take your phone out when asked for it and yeah. then, you know, show them the screen. Uh, yeah. But you can use this as a license, so only use it, yeah. you know, when asked in a car to take yeah. it out and uh, make sure that you yeah. stow your phone right. So they do kind of yeah. cover that, like, you know. Okay. But I in think. In a place that no one reads it. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you know, don't use your phone in the car is the rule, right? Yeah. So you're not allowed to use it at all, basically. Um, mm. But, you know, what 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 do they know, right? Like, who cares? And and they already know now because they, they'll know if you're using your phone in the car now. So my, mm. I think the grand plan and the reason why they would love to have a digital license, I don't know if you've caught um, Joe Rogan interviewing Snowden. No. Talking about um, government's massive shift uh, to uh, mobile first, right? Because they Crazy. lost track of the population when they all jumped off using desktop computers for surveillance, mm -hmm. right? And went to mobile phones because the majority of people use mobile phones first. Um, they were behind mm -hmm. the curve. So they've spent heaps of money just getting involved in the monitoring and the surveilling of mobile devices right mm -hmm. and so what he was talking about and this wasn't even things on the phone this was just how they can track you um mm -hmm. you know and all the angles at which they can do it but now i my realization today was oh i was like really excited about getting the digital license because it's one less thing to carry mm -hmm. on blah 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 blah. Sure. and in my mind i was yeah, like yeah, yeah that's cool i like it but then i had it dawned on me that actually i just literally opened my front door to my entire world to <sighs> the government because now they've got a thing on my phone that has access, just like Facebook would possibly, um, to be available every time something turns my phone on as a pinging point. And so then I was like, oh, shit, like this is not a good thing because now they can surveil me whenever they want. For all I know, I, I mean, for, I, I mean, this. I, I hope this isn't the case, but for all I know, they could have the microphone on anytime they want because they've got an app with my, you know, with stuff on there. And now they have something that is like a legal document that lives on there, which who knows what I've just given up to have that. And so I'm like, oh, boy. And then the, the people in this conversation I was having today was, oh, I don't really care. I got nothing to hide, blah, 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 blah. And I said, but my question isn't about that because I don't have anything to hide. Mm. It's do you trust governments with all this data to handle mm. it properly and secure it in a way that actually will protect you? Like they'll use I mean it. Well, Does anyone the census can build you with confidence. Well, like nothing builds me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anything that they do builds confidence. Like it's like, but like there's still evidence of all these big sort of government-backed agencies still using admin and password as the root access account for their servers. 
you know, password and one, two, three, four. exactly. And then you're like, oh my God. So then do we trust the people that are, have the keys to this stuff? So then I'm like, oh fuck, did I just really make a massive mistake? Oh, Joe, yeah. you know, you've just ruined it for me now. Oh. I was like, yes, you know, one less thing for me to carry around because I generally don't carry my wallet around because yeah. I hate carrying a wallet around. And so, you know, I've got my Apple pay on my phone, yep. so I don't need to carry money with me. And yeah. the one missing link was really my, and I can pay for transport with yep. my credit card. Yeah, because so I got removed all the really fees. Yep. Yeah. Was the driver's license. And here I was really, really chuffed and like happy yeah. that that problem was solved. And now you've... Um, well, let's just live in the world in denial. Like, look, I don't want to believe that they're going to do that. But my brain can't help but think that this is something that's going to happen because I know what they do like you know i was arguing not long ago that um you know or debating with people that that there's a huge amount of surveillance in the airport you know that they must do since um 9 11 there'll be cameras Absolutely. and microphones and a huge amount of surveillance in that place to stop anything major from happening and yeah. the people that were looking were saying no they wouldn't be allowed to do that and i said are you kidding yes, me they, they don't would. even have to tell you that they're doing it they're like oh what about the privacy act i said the privacy act is a set of rules that's been put in place so that they have rules they can bre break mm, or bend yeah. so that they can work around them so they have all the other things they can do so then in a in a court of law because that's why laws are made mm. so mm. that they can give you a level of protection but i think the reality of a lot of these laws these days that are in there because there's so many different things in, in, in australia um mm. is is in order for them to have a way to get around a lot of stuff as well so it's just you know if there is no law then it's too hard to get away with things as soon as there is you can you can figure out a way around it mm. and legally what? you can do a lot of stuff so anyway well yeah, well, I feel like the fear here is a bit less about what they'll do with it, but more just about just sheer dumb yes. human behavior, dumb I think, is yeah. more my fear, like, with government when yeah. it comes, like, you know, the census stuff where that, that, you know, they're like, yes, we're moving into the 21st century, it's going to be online, like, everything's going to be great. Yeah. Like, I don't know how, like, I just don't understand that they didn't think, people should test this like yeah. so what's our general population where you know in, we everyone technically should do the census at the same mm. time which means they're all going to like be logging on at the same time how yeah. do they not think to test that situation like i just i just don't understand right yeah that it crashes and and um well fortunately for me that time my housemate did it and she kind of did it a bit early because yeah. you know good for her yeah um, yeah but you know, I, and that for me, I'm like, really, government is is that what you've got? Like, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, I wasn't surprised. I mean, I was more still. Again, my issue was more that I had some sort of, um, you know, hierarchical like, you must do this or you will be in trouble. Uh, I hate that feeling. <laughs> It's like, what the fuck is this? Like, I spent most of my childhood with this rule over me. What I thought, you, like, they tell you, you can this goes away, and it it never does. It's just no. literally, yeah. My equation on money was uh, around how money works is is that you don't actually make money. You get to borrow money from the government, mm -hmm. <laughs> and they they mm -hmm. say you can have about this amount, and we're going to continue to take a little bit more after, no matter what. So don't you worry. You can borrow this money that's in circulation for a period of time. You don't actually get to have it. Um, mm. We need you to spend it. We need you to spend all of it. We don't want you to save it. 
Um, you know, and only the people that cheat get to get away with a lot more because they're actually able to somehow cheat the system enough to keep things in savings or hide the money from the government. Mm. Anyways, mm-hmm. I don't want to go. And that's that. not me. That that's not me. I, I don't have enough energy to do that shit. I just you know just as soon just spend my money and just say fuck it, whatever. Um, all right, well that's enough tinfoil hat at this point. I think, Gigi, I I think we should move on to the next the next phase here of uh, you know tell me uh, one piece of gossip about yourself that no one would know about you that you willing to share give me a little bit of a goss Mm. little goss one piece of gossip about me that no one else would know Hmm. nothing i don't know like i feel like there's some there's like maybe something but then i'm like maybe people would know that well but but see then you have the beauty of nobody knows on this podcast Mm. so you could tell me that and that could be the gossip um, let me think. No, the people know that already. It's definitely like something that's fairly well known now. It didn't, yeah, because some things are like, oh, would have been something people didn't know, but now it's kind of become the norm. Right. I, I don't think that actually makes sense. Well, it, it doesn't does, because you're not head. actually saying what it is, which makes it even harder for us to understand what you're oh, talking right, about. Right, right. No, well, like, I mean, yeah, I probably present as a fairly extroverted person in most cases. Mm-hmm. Um, but my preference is actually just to be at home with my dog <laughs> on the couch right. and not socializing. But the thing is because I've moved so much, I, I guess in the last year or so become so much more comfortable with that, you know, scenario of staying at home Yeah, that it's become the norm yeah. almost. And now it's no longer something people don't know. It's also something, so it's become something that people do know now. Right. So it's not really gossip, I suppose. Gossip, uh, I mean, I really love terrible Netflix Christmas movies. Oh. I like to watch one every day in the month of December. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah that's I mean, gossip. It's not even enough sure. to yeah, do yeah. that. So I just yeah. rewatch ones from previous this, years yeah. if I have to. Yeah. Get like a playlist of gross, gross yeah, Christmas stuff. Yeah, I, What's yeah, the infatuation with the Christmas, Christmas stuff? Do you just love Christmas I mean, or? No, not even. I mean, Christmas is Christmas. I just yeah. like Christmas. Really bad Christmas, maybe. Oh right. Um, just because the sappiness of it all. Yeah, they're all just so terrible. Like, mm. I mean, I really like terrible movies and terrible TV series. Mm. No, no, I enjoy them, and then I get to like this like very specific point where I don't enjoy them anymore, and I do not <laughs> want to watch it anymore. And I'm like, stop. Yeah. But up until that point, I really, really enjoy them. Right into it. Yeah. Oh, well, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, being an extrovert introvert is, I think, a fairly normal person, a fairly normal thing. I'm I'm very similar. So, like, when I'm mm-hmm. home, I'm home. Like, I could care less about getting out and going and socializing. But then when I'm out and I'm doing stuff, I'm full on. So, like, you mm-hmm. know, it's just, it is, you know, it is what it is. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's formal. It's, it's now known as the Joe show. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, when I'm mm-hmm. out, I'm out. But if I'm home, I, I just as soon be at home a lot, too. That could be that you're just getting older, though. It could be. It's yeah. true, like when I'm actually out, I'm also thinking about being at home. <laughs> oh, really? Like to yeah. that level? No, when I'm in it, I'm in it. Like I don't really care. Yeah. The, I'll, yeah. I flip the switch really quick. I'm like, no, I'm fucking, I'm going home. Like it's home time. Yeah. Then I'll leave. But uh, yeah, generally speaking, I'm, you know, when I'm going to go do a thing, I do a thing. And then, but yeah, when I'm done, I'm done. And I'd rather be home yeah. sitting on my, sitting in my lazy boy watching TV or doing something else. You know, some my, my time stuff, which is a thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely um, don't get that whole FOMO thing. I'm not a, you know, I don't prescribe to that. I'm very happy 
being where I want to be. And if I want to be somewhere else, I'll be somewhere else. You well, know? that's fair. There's no, oh, I wish I was doing that instead. Were you like that when you were a kid? Mm, probably not. Oh. I mean, uh, I, I was. I guess, yeah, a little uh, bit. Yeah. I don't know. It's actually a really good point. Oh, actually, no, I was because I wasn't allowed to do very much when I was younger. Ooh. Um, I was sort of my dad was quite strict, so oh, you know, no. I wasn't allowed to stay at friends' places. Oh wow! Um, you know, the theory was you've got a perfectly good bed. Why would you want to sleep in some like someone else's house? Wow! Um, yeah. Yeah, so I never really got to – actually, no, I did a bit as I started to get a bit, like, older. Right. But as a child, you know, primary school age child, um, I never slept over at friends' houses. Wow. Um, even up until probably the year 10, I think. Uh, there was a couple of rare occasions. No, I didn't even get to stay over. I just, like, like went birthday over. Birthday parties, slumber but, parties and all that. Yeah, None but I that. never stayed over yeah. really. It wasn't until probably year 11 – that I had a little bit more freedom huh. around that. But yeah, I never stayed over at friends' places. So what was like what's that all about? Just the way your dad is? Like Oh, I don't know. That's a really good actually, you know what? I have this theory about it. And yeah. you know, I've talked to a few people whose like parents have, you know, migrated to Australia and True. it's this thing where they really hold on to these like old fashioned values and okay. these you know, I guess like they're more strict because like, I think back to it, you know, he was quite strict with us growing up, mm. which, you know, is fair. That's, that's his thing. But it's like that was what he thought that he should be like. Mm. But then I remember going, you know, back to Hong Kong when I was younger and visiting our cousins over there. Yeah. I remember one time going out, I think I was like 15 maybe. Sure. And I distinctly recall going out to like a bar and drinking beers back when, you know, buckets of beers were like the yeah. cool thing to get. Um, and I at 15, remember- nonetheless. Pardon? You were 15. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I do recall like going out with my cousins yeah. and like drinking beers and, you know, they were smoking and I was wow. like, yeah. wow, you have so much freedom. I mean, I don't know whether they're allowed to do that, but you know, the fact that they had the freedom to do that like they were yeah. a bit older i was the youngest out of the group but still like you know we were fairly young and i recall doing this and you know and it was really funny because they had all these freedoms and i was like it's like as if time where like in hong kong moved forward and people became more like progressive and modern oh. and you know the people you know I guess like parenting became a little less strict but because sure. you know we moved away from that yeah it's like he like you know he held on to what he knew yeah and yeah. and even though that's not what is yeah 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 sense. no it does make sense yeah because i mean as a parent myself you know you like so there's that whole concept of product of origin right mm. so you are you know kind of where you come from so it could very well be a combination of one um he only knew what he was do- doing to the best of what he could do based on what he had learned you know, when he was a child. Right. And, um, mm. so, you know, like, I don't know if, if, if he, the, the way he did it had also something to do with the way he was raised, uh, mm. in, in his view of the world. So, you know, like, you know, for, in my case, you know, the way I parent has is very much the opposite of the way mm. I was raised because I didn't like the way I was raised and I had mm. really, um, tough relationships with my parents. So mm, I don't, mm. I didn't want to replicate those things. So I had a very conscientious shift. So it could be also that, you know, maybe there's that as well, you know? So like as a parent, you have to make these really kind of weird choices around 
Mm. What am I going to do? Um, and then there's the whole concept, which kind of is the, a lot about this podcast, which is, you know, you're always dealing with yourself, right? And so then mm. sometimes if you don't have the ability to change your mind or refocus, you know, on what's going on, you can't see the impact of what you're doing and therefore you'll just continue down a path or you might then change your perspective or change your mind about it so that you can be more effective. And, and I, and I think that, you know, sometimes it's very hard for people to change, right. And they just Mm -hmm. kind of do what they do because they feel like that's the best they can do. And, and they also feel in their mind, in their own inner monologue that they're not doing well. Right. And mm. so but they're like, oh, but I know if I admit that I'm doing it wrong, then all of a sudden this whole thing's going to unravel. Mm. Um, and parenting's a tough job because kids are constantly, you know, flipping the switch on you. You know, they're always moving, um, mm. you know, and trying new things out, testing boundaries. So, you know, I don't know, sometimes yeah. parents can have a very strict line on stuff. And, you know, I, I find it interesting. Like, that's a very mm. interesting thing to have chosen to do. Yeah. And I think I think it's, you know, like I should also, you know, a caveat here which is that like my mom did pass away when we were quite young oh, so he enough. was right. sort of single parenting two girls there so you go. yeah um you know I've, i'm certain that that would have impacted on his parenting style as sure. well yeah um so i should probably mention that as well before we're kind of like it probably puts a bit of perspective into oh yeah it. absolutely yeah yeah and um yeah so then what so did that did she um die before or after you moved to australia it was after. After. So, All right. So you moved uh, over. Yes. Yeah. I think okay. I was maybe like um, six and a half. At okay. Time. Right. So some, some, yeah. some time. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, I don't think I knew that, Gigi. I didn't too. Well, maybe oh, not. You know, no. I, I think like sometimes I just assume, but mm. you know what they say about assuming. Yeah, that's right. I'm a total ass. Uh, Um, no that's all good no because sometimes stuff i mean that's like um stuff like that you know it's 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 not an organic thing you know and um you know it's interesting it's an interesting thing so my like my stepmom died so she died Mm. when um my youngest son van was uh two weeks old like i literally just Mm. had a kid and then within two weeks i get a call in the middle of the night from my dad you know, to say that mm. she had died. And I was like, wow, what a moment. Right. And then this whole grappling mm. of what do I do and how do I deal with all this? And I hadn't had someone inside that, that inner circle of people in my family die, which is incredibly mm. weird and tough to get through. Um, you know, let alone, you know, so like a mother and, and all that sort of stuff. Cause she raised me for quite some time and you yeah. know, was probably one of the only people that actually believed in me, which was weird because, I also went to bed many nights with a knife under my pillow because I thought she was going to kill me as a child. So there's like this really <laughs> weird dynamic that I had. But what when I became sort of a young adult, she was one of the people that backed me. Uh, whilst yeah. all my other parents, my my biological parents, were kind of like on the mm. sideline going, taking care of themselves and not worrying too much about me. So it was a, mm. you know, just it's different. Yeah. Um, so those, yeah, those things just don't come up. Yeah. and But I take it your dad's still around. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. He's still well, kick, he's still kicking it. Yeah, that's good. Um, he lives up coincidentally near Byron Bay. Oh, does he? Oh. <laughs> yeah. So in a town called Bangalore, Bangalore. Around the Chinese restaurant there. It's that you know your typical um, you know Chinese restaurant in the country town. Every country town has a Chinese restaurant. I'm telling you. Yeah. I feel like every bowling club has a Chinese restaurant. Every oh my god! So when we first moved to Bangalore, we actually ran the Chinese restaurant in the bowling club. Right. Um, so I think about a year or two, maybe a year and a half. But then I think, you know, 
let's just say the negotiations broke down, yeah. um, you know, cause they were less than favorable towards us. Yeah. Um, I think we then moved to another bowling club or something at like even further West, this place called Danoon. And mm, okay. I remember, you know, cause we used to go obviously to work with my dad in the evenings because sure. there was no one to really look after us. So, yeah, 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 um, yeah. It was probably like a half hour drive from our house on these like country back roads. And we had this car that was like, oh, it was secondhand. It was terrible. And there'd just be nights when it just wouldn't start. Right. (laughs) Wow. And there was like, it had this stick in the glove box, this like specific stick. The way if you put it in a certain spot in the engine and turn it over, (laughs) it would start. It would just get it done. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was that. And there was a couple of times we definitely had to, like, roll start it down a hill. So yep. my sister and I would be, like, at the back pushing the car. Getting it going. So that my dad could start it. And then he'd stop you. You'd have to run after the car and jump in. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And then there was definitely a couple of times when, you know, because it's country, right? You, like, uh, we ran over, you know, a kidna and so yeah. flat tire and you have to deal with that. So wow. like, yeah. you know, we did that thing maybe like a year or so until um, we actually got our own shop in town in Bangalore when it's like our own okay. place. And he's been there for, well, what we moved to Bangalore in 94. Right. I think he took over his own shop. It was probably like 97, maybe 97. I don't know, actually. Like it's been close to 20 years. Yeah, he's actually say, one of yeah. the... Um, like longest serving businesses in town. Oh, wow. Like, like we've seen a lot of change happen in Bangalore being in such prox- like proximity to Byron Bay. Yeah, right. Um, it's definitely changed a lot since, you know, growing up there. You know, I went to the primary school, which is next to um, my dad's restaurant. It's grown you know, a lot since I went there. There's mm. lots of demountables now. Um a lot more people in town the, like even just like the shops themselves yeah. have changed. Like I remember, I remember feeling it for the first time that things had changed when um, someone opened a rug shop there and I was like, who in town, like who that like a local living here would buy a rug? Like, a rug? Yeah, yeah. A rug. Like, I don't like understand a rug stores. Rug stop. shop. Yeah. And I was like, this is so bizarre like <laughs> of all the things and now it's like you know you know it's like the place you can go to for a day trip from you know byron bay it has these like very expensive homeware stores and uh, yeah. like um yeah it's really it's actually really interesting but the one thing that i think like i haven't been to them recently in the last like few years but the one thing i think that has maintained it's like it's charm slash it's like it was always great mm. and it always hopefully will be great is the Bangalore markets, which are held for anybody listening and interested in going on the fourth Sunday of every month at the showground. Right. Um, large variety of market stalls and food. And if you're lucky, you may catch the Hemsworths there as well, which we oh. did one time. Oh, I see. The wild Hemsworths. Mm. Oh, mm-hmm. that is, uh, is that and where they that's all really live? cool? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, like, oh, the Hemsworth, you know, like, yeah. this is not a big deal. And it's just really funny to They're watch. just walking around. Yep. Roaming in the wild. Yep, yeah, exactly. Well, geez, I am, uh, I don't know if I need to see the mighty Hemsworth. No, I mean, like, it's novelty factor. Yeah, definitely. it's novelty. I mean, it's actually quite a few, you know, 
like famous people apparently have moved up there. And yeah. I think one of them was like, because my friend, um, she still lives up there. Her kids go to the local public school there in sure. Byron. And um, she's like, oh, it's really like funny because you have all these people who, um, I guess, like a famous, mm. and they send their kids there because I think the Hamsworth send their kids to the local school oh, right. or something. Yeah, yeah. And like, um, and I don't know if you know the band Powderfinger, which were kind yep. of like this Australian yeah, band. Yeah. yeah. So like, I think it's like the their lead singer lives up there and sends his kids there, like oh. his kid, kid. I don't know. And it's just right. like this weird kind of like where everyone's like, oh, we're so cool with this, but like right. they also really want to be like their friend. And it's, sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, kind of gross anyway. too. Can't treat them like normal people. So I, well, I grew up in Sun Valley, Idaho, which is uh, full of famous people. So I spent my Ooh. entire life around famous people. Um, mm. And so, yeah, so for me, it's no big deal because I kind of grew up in a world where our entire tourism economy was built off the fact that we didn't bug them and we just treated them like right. normal people. So like, you know, I've been in, you know, getting my groceries with Arnold Schwarzenegger and, you know, had yeah. Michael Keaton cruise through town oh, and, you know, like do stuff. You know, I had all these different people like Bruce Willis and Demi Moore hanging out and Candace yeah. Bergen. I mean, like it just, they all show up and they just come yeah. there because it's little, it's, it's the, the tourists that come there, come there to see them, but the yeah. locals give them, you know, respect like in that, re yeah. in that regard. And so it was never a really big deal. So yeah. they kind of really kind of did a lot for our local communities and towns when they invested yeah. in it. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, for me, it's like it's not yeah. a, like I, I just see them as normal people because I'm just like, God, it would suck to yeah. have all that noise. I tell you. Yeah. And also, rough. like, I mean, like Byron in itself has changed like what in the last 20 years, definitely as well. So it's yeah. like it's interesting to see that change and um, like how different it is from you know, I went growing to, up there. I went to Byron. Mm -hmm. Let's see here. So this, this last, oh no, it will be next July, August. Mm -hmm. It will have been 30 years ago. Really? Yeah. That was the last time I went to Byron Bay. Wow. So I bet it's changed a lot since then. Keep it that way. I think I'm going to leave that memory right there. Yeah. My wife was just yeah. up there and she goes, I don't know if you'd like it there. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't like it up there. <laughs> I don't think yeah. it's my kind of thing. Yeah. It's Definitely, it's a different place. It's a different place now, yeah. that's for sure. So I mean, it's still nice. It's always going to be beautiful. Sure. I sure think that's Byron, the thing yeah. to remember. It's a thing. It's a thing. It's like a thing it's that a people th go to do. Do the Byron thing. Yep. Yeah. It's a thing. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I mean, I guess it is what it is. Um, yeah. So, so did your so your dad has always been up there then? That's so your family's always been that way. No. No, we traveled a lot when I was quite young. Right. Um, so, you know, moved here when I was 18 months. My uncle, the one who has the heavy vehicle driver's license, sure. um, he was here from when he was a lot younger. Okay. He kind of came over from Hong Kong okay. um, when he was younger. And he sponsored, you know, my mum and my dad to come over to uh, Australia. I see. Um, and so we lived with him and my cousins, uh, okay. sometimes I was actually really, uh, kind of, it was a great, it was a nice upbringing and you know, it's nice to, to reminisce on it cause mm. there was, um, so my cousins, there was four of them. Yeah. Um, and then there's my sister and I, and I was like the youngest, mm -hmm. um, out of that sort of like generation, like there's others that followed, but the six of us really, you know, grew up together. Oh, that's cool. Um, not, not all of us are so close now. Like my cousin, Sian, I'm still quite close with, sure. um, she just had a baby bless. And, um, like we, we grew up here. So we lived with those cousins for some time. Uh, you know, my sister and I spent some time 
living with my uncle while my mum and dad went to try out, you know, new places for oh, us okay. to potentially move to. Um, so, you know, we, we'd spend like six months at a time because obviously for us, it was like go to school, yeah, keep things yeah. kind of stable. Yeah. You don't want to be like pulling your kids out of school to move to a new town only to find it's like, you know, not right. Mm. Um, so you know, I guess that would, well, probably was pretty hard for them to be like, I'm leaving my children behind. Mm. Mm. Um, I mean, for us, I guess it was kind of great because we got to hang out with our cousins. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so we... Initially, when we came, we were in Air, which A Y R, which is this really rural town in Queensland. Okay, it's just red dirt everywhere. Wow. Um, so we were there for a little bit, but not for much longer because then we ended up moving to Sydney with my uncle to to Gabby. Yeah. For a little bit, um, and then from there we moved to Woolai, um, which is New Grafton. Yep, Coffs okay. Harbour, sort of yeah, between yeah. Graft and Coffs Harbour. A uh, lovely place, really, like, you know, it's where the river meets the sea, small mm. town, um, Chinese restaurant in bowling, a club. Yeah. Um, and we lived there for quite some time, like with, you know, my uncle spent maybe a year in Katingal, which okay. is near yeah. Tamworth. Yeah, yeah. Um, then moved back to Woolai. That didn't work out. So we yeah. moved back to Woolai. Um, with my uncle and then it was sort of at that time that my mum passed away right wow that's and a so, lot of moving around yeah, so quite a bit of moving up yeah. until I was about you know six and a half like yeah. here there everywhere trying to settle in um and then it was after my mum passed away that we moved up to Bangalore got it okay and that kind of locked it up a little bit at that point. And that kind of yeah, yeah. it kind of I guess like you know it, we needed that stability at the time I see okay and then what? Okay, so then what? You spent the rest of your sort of childhood, formative childhood, teens there. Yeah, and exactly. Then, so, and then you moved mm-hmm. to Sydney, or? Yeah, so like, what? Grew up, went to moved there. So it would have been like year two when yeah. we moved to Bangalore. Was there till I finished high school. Yep. Um, and then I guess I got, I got accepted to university, which was great. Yeah. Uh, despite severely underperforming. Right. <laughs> um, to everyone's expect, well, there was expectations and I, uh, may not have reached those right. <laughs> expectations, sure. which is fine. I mean, I didn't do, I like to think that I, uh, I didn't do poorly, Yeah. but I probably didn't do as well as I probably could have. I think by the time I got to year 12, I just gave up. Right. I really, I think I peaked in maybe year 10. And then oh. I just, once I got into year 11, 12, I kind of just didn't really care so much about it, which, right. yeah. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I you know, wanted to go to TAFE, but, you know, oh, right. yeah. um, that I wanted to do design at TAFE and mm. I, that idea got shut down pretty quickly. Okay. Um, I think the exact words were, which is ter- like, it's, like, I don't prescribe to this. I right. Think, in any way, shape, or form, but I think the exact words from you know my dad were the only people who go to TAFE are those who can't get into uni. <laughs> yes, right. right. Um, which was that you know like and I totally get it. it goes back mm. to that whole mentality of like you know I work really hard. I want my children to go to university so they can be successful and sure. Um, you know, so I went to university and came moved down to Sydney. My sister was here at the time already, so I moved in with her. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, started at UNSW. 
doing, I think it was like international studies. I had these aspirations to be a lawyer. Yeah. I'm like, yes, I was that like cliche Asian student who wanted to be a lawyer. It's either a lawyer, an accountant or a doctor. Right. right, right. Um, I, I was like, I want to be a lawyer. I don't even know where I got that from. I probably watched way too many TV shows where there were right. lawyers. Right. And I was like, that yeah. seems cool. really cool to do. Yeah, cool thing. Um, yeah. yeah, cool. Um, and then I realized that that's actually just like, I don't want people to hate me. Right. Like, everyone hates lawyers. Right. I don't want to be hated. Sure. Um, and it's also not for me. I'm not interested in international studies as well, like politics. And, yeah. um, and I decided to go into teaching because, yeah. well, you know, I really enjoyed English and history and I was like, what can I do with this? And yeah. teaching seemed like the thing to do. And I had some really great teachers in high school, like amazing, yeah. amazing teachers like I just remember my English teacher in year nine and ten Mr. Grant and Mm. he was also our cricket coach as well um amazing teacher just really like got you interested and just taught you like an adult really yeah Yeah. um same with like in my you know modern history teacher Mr. O'Hara who also had in junior school as well Mm. just you know treated you like an adult and used to tell the best stories of when he worked in the sewers when he was younger as well very (laughs) easy to derail yeah. Um, but yeah, I just like, yeah, had some really amazing teachers who I was like, I would like to do that. Yeah. And, right. Uh, yeah. Did that and then graduated and was teaching for a few years and was enjoying it, but you know, feeling a little bit, it's hard when you go from school to university mm-hmm. and then back to school and you're like 22. Right. And you mean and back to school as a teacher. Yeah, yes, exactly. Not as a student. Uh, yeah. No. But it's like It's like going back oh, to the same jail cell and going but now I'm on the is. other side uh, kind of on the other side of this, but I'm in a different different part of the jail. Yeah, and it's just, you know, I mean, there's definitely a lot of times in those first few years where I got mistaken for a student. Oh, really? Um, right. I had to be very careful what I wore on the days I was teaching at certain schools to make sure I didn't wear anything that resembled, like, the uniform in any way, shape, right. or form. Right, right. Um, yeah, so that was, you know, interesting. And I enjoyed it. I really did for yeah. the time that I taught. But I just felt like I wanted to do something more and something different. Um which was hard to do when you spent, you know, four years on a degree that you're paying off very yeah. slowly. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, and that, which you know, brings me to you know, a topic that I'm very passionate about, which from being my own personal experience, but also just from teaching and watching the pressure that students get put under to decide what they're going to do at university mm. then and there at the age of what, like 17 mm. or 18, no one knows what they want to do at age 18. Like no. that's mental. Like to say like, Oh, you have to do well in, you know, your, you have to do your HSC so you can go to university mm. and you know, you've got to pick your career at that age. Like that is dumb. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. So that makes me, you know, that's one of the things for me, I guess like really riles me up this whole like idea of you, know, you need to go to university to be successful. Cause I think that, that's a fallacy. You don't have to. I have no. many friends who did not go to university who are very successful. Oh, yeah. No, I agree completely. I don't really think that. I think that the institutionalization of, you know, society, which they start in school, 
to prep you for the next phase of your life, which is your working life, which is just Mm -hmm. another form of that institutionalization is broken. Right. So, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that I kind of, I've, I've spoken about before with, with people is, is like the way at which education now works is so different as well compared to when we were kids doing it, that you as an adult, um, uh, as a parent have to relearn mathematics in order to keep Mm. up with your own children. And then they're changing the way at which education works so much. Uh, it's still an institution, but it doesn't actually even Mm. marry up with corporate world anymore. So when kids are now getting out of school because it's become such a different way to get kids to engage in learning that when they go out into the world to work in their corporate job, that they don't even get it. They don't understand Mm. it because it doesn't even fit anymore. You know, Mm. the, the whole concept of, you know, kind of picking a degree and trying to go for something is, is foreign, you know, because you can try Mm. anything and you can go and do whatever you want. So like that, because university hasn't changed. So really, Mm. if you think about all the way up to year 12, the way at which kids are learning, the way at which they're going about all this sort of stuff has changed so radically that by the time they get to that point, it's like a foreign land. It's such a jarring experience, you know, and you hear about kids that don't go to uni, try to go out into the workforce, not even be able mm. to do that either. And mm. it's a big question mark over the whole thing because, one, I think, you know, it's good that they've changed education and, and have come up with ways that would, to make it more efficient for people, kids to learn and whatnot. But I really think there's only a very small subset of kids that will survive all the way through, mm. right? And, mm. um, you know, and, and it's not a, it's, it's the same problem they had when, when I was younger as well. It's like, you know, they, they're like, oh, yeah, go to university and then, you know, you you can ask anybody if they ever used their degree after university. And, and everyone says, no, they didn't. No. You know, they're all, you know, working as uh, bartenders or waitresses or whatever, mm-hmm. trying to pay off their debt. Right. It's just mm-hmm. another form of, you know, moving money around. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just I think the whole thing's a little bit broken, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, well, I, I remember when I like towards the end of my career as a teacher and I just remember you know, they kept raising the leaving age as well. Sure, right. um, so it's like, I remember when, I think it was like 15 and nine months originally, like when I was in oh, school, that, you know, you, you age, could yeah. leave at a certain age, um, yeah. you know, and go work or get a job or get a trade, get a trade or whatever. But, you know, they keep raising that leaving age. And I think it's like difficult, particularly if that's not your cup of tea, which is perfectly fine. You know, like academia is not for everybody. And, you know, trying to keep these students who could actually be doing things that would serve them better in life in a classroom. Yeah. For me, it just seemed wrong. It's also disruptive for the people who do actually want to be there as well. Yeah. Um, But more importantly, you you should be helping these students find, you know, what they're good at and what they enjoy Mm. and helping them into a profession that will help foster that. Yeah. I don't know, like, I don't think we do that very well because, like, it's funny because I think back and I look at my friends who end up going into apprenticeships at age 16, right, do a four-year apprenticeship, they come out of it at 20, they're fully qualified electrician or plumber or whatever, Mm. and, you know, I mean, we've all had done an emergency call out on a Sunday for a plumber before, and we all know how expensive that is. Sure, yeah. But, you know, they do really well for themselves, and I think, like, you know, time coming back to that whole university and education, like I think we put too much weight on these like white collar jobs and that mm. success is going to university and getting a white collar job. Yeah. And you know, I don't I don't know, I don't prescribe to that. Like I don't think that's I don't think that should be the case. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. Success is happiness, and, and I, that's mm. what I think it is. And if you can't find that happiness to get through every day of the monotony, right, then, you know, mm. you're done. You're done skis. Mm. And there's no point in, you know, just being, um, and I say this very uh, loosely with no disrespect, a slave to mm. the system because, you know, it's just a system, right? And mm. you can find your place in it, right? And one of the things that I've, you know, I kind of, I, it's not a complaint, but it's a thing that, you know, I kind of have to have and do the things that I have to do as a result of the fact that I've climbed up to this level of basically circulating that much cash and making commitments to circulate that kind of cash for my family, you know, so that they're committed to doing things like private schools and all the sports that they play and all the life that they have. And, you know, and then me being divorced, like there's this volume of cash I have to make now that I'm trapped by. Um, you know, and it's, it's a complaint, but it's not a complaint because I'm happy to do it, but it, it is mm. kind of a trap as well, because mm. now it's like, if I wanted to go get a cruisy job, you know, w- for a lot less money, it's just not possible mm. because now I have mm. all this, all these obligations. obligations, you know, it's just like, well, fuck mm. that, that kind of, you don't know, you don't see that coming when you're young, you know? Mm. And so I think, you know, it, it wasn't about happiness for me. It never was about happiness. It was about, um, achieving this financial thing. And it was mm-hmm. like filling this, you know, these uh, basically obligations up. Um, mm-hmm. And then you're on the hook for them until they all kind of move on. And it's like, well, fuck, what, what happened there? Like, anyways, okay, it's, it's, it's a weird thing, you know, the transition mm-hmm. from student to, a, you know, to adult and they just kind of cut you loose and hope for the best. Yeah. You know, it's a funny business. It's a real funny business. Um, it is. Mm. But then you didn't, you're not a teacher anymore. So you're no, pro- your no, product person. So I um, kind of, I, well, I, I moved overseas. I did the whole, you know, I laugh at it, at it but I did it. I yeah. did the whole, you know, two years in London, you know, get your visa thing, that right. youth mobility visa. Yep. Um, uh, and it was quite good because I think like when my sister went, it was like you had to travel for six months and then you could only live, I think like 18 months in sure. the UK. Whereas mine, I had like the full two months to do whatever I wanted really. It was yep. quite a bit of freedom. I think it was, as long as you were under 30. Um, and, you know, for me, I kind of, when I moved over there, I was like, I was ready for a change, like yeah. very much so. Um, in all areas of my life, you know, whether it was from career, personal, yeah. I was ready to just like, I'm done. Thanks. See you later, Sydney. It's been great, but burn you know. it down. Yeah. And I talk, yeah, yeah, you've you've taken your yeah. pound of flesh. <laughs> That's right. Um, I'm done. Um, and you know, and I talked about it. like I always did talk about wanting to move overseas, and I just I never did it. And right. I was like, you know what? It's time. Like if I don't do it now, I'll never do it. And yep. I sold everything and got rid of everything till all I had left was one suitcase and one carry on. Mm. And I moved to London and I did it. I did that whole two year living, working thing. And I have to say like, you know, people talk about it, but it was probably one of the best things that I ever did for myself. Mm. What do you reckon? What do you reckon it was? Was it the the change, the the jolt of a change? Was it, you know, was it the admission that you were done and needed to reforge, reforge something new or? It's a really good question. And I know a couple of things mm. that made it what it was. I, one was obviously just the physical location change. It was mm. so different mm. to, it was new. I had to learn 
something new, yeah. a new place yeah. um, to get around, how to function within that environment, which mm. is, yeah, sure, you know, I can, thank goodness, I can still speak English, sure. which really helped. Mm. Um, but even with that, there was just, you know, I remember, I remember like, um, you know, one of the greetings was always, because I taught when I was over there when I first moved, because I was like, maybe mm. a location change will sort of rekindle yeah, right. yeah. my passion for teaching, right? Sure. Um, and they always greet you with, you right? Yeah, you're right. And I, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm all right. Are you all right? Like, yeah. it was just, <laughs> and it's such a dumb thing, but anyway, it just get you every, it got me every time. And yeah. Like, this, do I look like I'm not okay? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, is, does my face look wrong? I don't yeah. know. Like, yeah. do I look sad? Why are you asking me if I'm all right? Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, the physical location change, you know, trying to learn to get around, trying to find, I guess, like my feet again. And as I said, it was that time where I was trying to decide whether I wanted to continue teaching or not. And mm. let's say moving to London is not a very good way to regain your passion for teaching. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, like it wasn't a bad school I was in actually. I, I've had some pretty good kids like, um, it was sort of, I was working with a lot more of, uh, like the kids who needed learning support, Sure. Yep. um, which was, I actually really enjoyed and they were really good, but it's a different kind of school environment. Like the school mm. had a police officer assigned to the school, which I was, right. thought was really bizarre. Wow. Um, you know, it's not something that you would have in Australia, right? No. Yeah. You know, when the kids are leaving, he's standing outside, like, yeah, like, yeah, it's, it's bizarre, yeah, um, yeah. but it's a thing, which is kind of funny. It ties back to this conversation we're having today about how I was like, I really like having those like trays where your food is separated into yeah. like different things. I was like, Oh, I feel like I'd be really good. I'd enjoy prison for that fact. Yeah. And one of my colleagues like, um, is that actually what you get in prison or is it just like what you see on the movies? And yeah. I was like, yeah, that too. So I assume, you know, maybe yeah. in America and then we're comparing that to like American cafeterias where they also yeah. serve up food like that. And we're like, hmm, interesting. Yeah, I had trays um, growing up. Yeah, with the little separate areas. Yeah. A spot I really for your anyway. you know, cardboard milk box thing. Yeah, yeah. it's like everything's got its own little separate compartment. Yeah. And anyway, um and we're making obviously that you know, drawing the line between prisons yeah, and prison, schools, yeah. those similarities. Yep. Um, but yeah, it was just, you know, not what I wanted. And I kind of wanted to something different. I just didn't know what I wanted. And, uh, I quit, I quit teaching. Yep. Traveled for a little bit over the summer, got a, you know, admin plebby, not plebby, but like admin role. I actually really love that job. Yeah. Um, working for local council, okay. met some great people, uh, learned a lot about how hard it is to get your kid into school in London. Wow. Right. Um, it's crazy. I mean, I think it's the same here in Australia now, but I mean, I don't have any kids, nor have I sent them to school. So, sure, sure. Um, but it's quite competitive to mm. get into, you know, a school near you. You gotta yeah, live okay. like basically on top of the school to get uh, your kid in there. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, and you hear of parents doing the weirdest stuff, like, well, not weird, you know, they're trying to get their kid into the school. So, you know, they say they're living with um, the grandmother who happens yeah. to live right next to the school. Or, you sure. know, that year they coincidentally moved right next to the school. Yep. Or, oh, that year they just happened to start going to church. 
Yeah, right. Um, you know, so they can send their kids to the Church of England schools sure. and or like, you know, faking their addresses. Like there's mm. a bunch of stuff that happens as well. And um it's very competitive. It's even hard it's like even harder to try to like switch your kid from one school to another because mm. all the schools are full. Yeah. So like where are you gonna you know, you can't put someone somewhere where there's no room and so like definitely one of the like best jobs that I had from just, you know, people and I had to do a lot of things and it was great. It was a really good job for me to take the time to think about what I wanted to do mm. with my life, um, which at that time I was like 27 <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I'm almost 30 and yeah, I'm right. like starting my life over again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. And then I ended up working for Yelp in London. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. As an account executive. Oh, wow. I had no right. idea what an account executive was. But you took the job. Um, Give me the job. Well, my friends, uh, well, a friend of my sister's at the time worked at Yelp in okay. New York. And they okay. were like, oh, she was like, oh, they're hiring because I went to visit sure. my sister when I was going through, like, what am I going to do with my life? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was talking about it with her friends were there as well. And so, um, you know, my sister was like, hey, you know, my friend said that they're hiring in London. You should like, because they're looking to grow their business there, you mm-hmm. should apply. Um, so I did. And I got an interview and um, got the job. Okay. I didn't actually know what an account executive did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and so I got there and I was like, oh, so this is the sales job. Sales job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cause obviously my entire career and life and everything had been around education. And so yeah. I was like, the term account executive doesn't mean anything to me. Like, yeah. why don't they just say a salesperson? Right. Oh, because that nobody will apply for a salesperson job. <laughs> They'll apply oh, for an account executive true. job. <laughs> yeah. Oh, an account executive. They basically got you because you're like, nobody knows what this is. We're going to use this to trick people into the sales force. Oh my God. Don't talk to me about sales force. Oh, sales force. I don't even want to talk about sales force either. Oh my God. Um, Yeah. I have so many, like just, I mean, I mean, we use it now. Sure. Sure. I don't, I guess it hasn't really improved in the last, in the last five years. It still kind of sucks. The same shit. Yep, exactly. Um, still really hard to use. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I landed in that role, which actually was really interesting because it was quite like American as well. So a lot of mm. the managers were American. There was like a mixture of like Irish and English. And, mm. you know, I think I was the only Australian on the team, but like, you know, it was Canadians. It was really diverse. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it was a really young environment. Everyone was like, you know, in their 20s, early 30s, at the oldest kind of thing. And mm. um, it was fun. I mean, it was a bit douchey. It's not the kind of culture I like, which is where, like, you know, if you make a sale, they play your song and you're going to walk up to the gong and, like, wow. hit the gong and everyone's, like, clapping and you're kind of yeah. like, oh, this is a bit awkward. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that was probably the one thing that I learned about myself there because I think all of these jobs at the end of the day are just learning experiences to help you, you know, find the job that's right for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You need to have these experiences to know. And I think the experience I got out of that was, I don't really like the attention <laughs> <laughs> right. like that. Right. And it's a bit like, it's a bit douchey. Yeah. Um, and some people are into that and that's perfectly fine. Yeah. 
but it wasn't for me and I always felt super awkward about it. And, yeah, um, that's fair. You know, and so I did that for about a year and by the end of the year I was like, I'm, I'm pretty done with this. And, um, like, I, I knew I could talk. To, I, I could talk for days. Joe, you know me. I, could I talk do. For days. I know. I yeah. mean, I'm talking for days right now, really. Well, um, not a full day, but yeah. But um, you know, and I knew that because mm. I used to. One of their metrics was like how long you spent on the phone. Sure. And I was like, and I always get like shout outs for spending heaps of time on the phone. I was like, <laughs> I'm just talking shit with these people. I'm yeah. not really selling them anything. Like, yeah. If I do happen to sell them something, that's just a coincidence and lucky me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, there was a script you had to read and oh, like, wow. it was really um it was really American, which is probably why they failed. <laughs> well yeah. not failed, but didn't do so well in um in the UK. Yeah. Is because they took this really American mentality towards selling. Yeah. And I don't know like if you're aware, but I think like and it's like humor as well. Like the UK and, and Australian humor are pretty similar. Yep. Um, and Australians also get American humor. Yeah. But Americans like quite different to English. Yes. And, you know, the way people communicate are also like you know, in, I find that like in America, that really direct in your face, like, so why won't you buy it? Yeah. Will like work. Yeah. Whereas, you know, in the UK, people are like, hang up. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, yeah. They don't respond to that, but you know that was the strategy. You know that that was the script you got, and that was what you mm. went by. And mm. you know, um, so you know, I think it kind of all worked out really well for me because I like the environment. So I knew that was the kind of environment that young, mm. sort of light, fun environment was what I wanted to be in. Yeah, I liked tech. I mean, it wasn't really tech. Like we weren't doing tech. Yeah, but there was tech behind it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I liked that. And so, you know, I did learn something from it. Unfortunately, they like moved their operations to Ireland. Yep. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Um, and you know, we all got made redundant, essentially, oh, wow. except for a few people that they were like, Oh, you know, do you want to move to Dublin? <laughs> yeah. Right. And help us set up um, over there. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And it was fine. Actually, what that timing was excellent because, you know, it was the start of December, which was also really hard. I felt for some people, like one guy just had a baby and I was like, oh, that's rough. Yeah. Um, but they put us on garden leave for all of December. Oh, and yeah. then um, and then they paid us an extra like six weeks. Okay. So yeah, timing worked out really well because I was moving back to Australia in March anyway. Yeah. So I kind of like, and also it meant I had money to move back to us. I was not very good with money over there. Yeah. Um, but it meant I could move back to Australia, which... With a bit of money in my pocket, which oh, was nice because I, I could go back to teaching. So I went back to teaching in January and February yep. while I was still there. So I was getting like double pay essentially. Yeah. Um, and like I learned a lot and I came back to Australia and I applied for a job with General Assembly in Sydney. Oh, okay. That was the GA time when you got back. That was the GA time. I actually applied for admin, ad, admin, admissions um person role for someone to um you know process admissions and help get people into classes except yeah. they had just hired someone for that role um but the um i guess the, like, the director i'm really bad with titles at the time was like actually we have this other role going which we think you know maybe you might be good for mm. um 
which was to sort of produce and look after their full-time UX and web development courses. Right, okay. Which also got me really interested. So I guess like I was interested in GA because of the environment from Yelp and that got me really interested. Um, and then obviously it's education, which is another thing that like even though I don't want to teach, it's something I'm still very passionate about. Yeah, yeah, kind of a sweet um, spot. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, and then mm. so that was like my GA time and from there I just I learned like so much I've made some you know really good friends coming out of there as well um and yeah it's kind of got me to where I it's like I feel like that was probably the like start of the journey of where I got to where I am now Mm. but I kind of needed that UK experience to get me there yeah that's interesting I mean yeah like a jolt like that and a and a big reset button moment I mean, I, I'm a big advocate for if you can have a reset, have a reset. You know, if you, mm. if you can make the space to do it, do it. Um, because more often than not, you know, it's just a giant look in the mirror moment, you know. And they say that some of the greatest, your greatest decisions come when you're under the most, I guess, the most pressure. So if you strip all the safeties away, right, and throw yourself into a whole new environment where it's not, you know, it's not easy. You got to do everything, you know, kind of, it's going to be a whole new world of things that you have to deal with. Um, you're going to tend to make, you know, some pretty interesting choices that will be, you know, more based on what your, your needs are as opposed to playing Mm. things safe and just continuing down a path. Um, Mm. which is interesting. Um, Mm. I like it. You I like, I like to know yourself stuff. better, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's important, right? So if you don't know who you are, but I've, I got a friend that I'm talking to at the moment and what I'm saying is to them right now is it's like, you don't even know who you are. You know, mm. like you, if you don't know who you are, then how do you know how to make any of these decisions? Right. And so, mm. you know, like that's a big deal, you know, and if you don't know what mm. you want because you don't even know you, then how are you going to do it? You know, like mm. you, you, you could ask me until you're blue in the face, but like it, you're still going to make the wrong choices and be ha- unhappy with them. Right. Like that's, mm. you just don't know what you want. And, um, yeah, I think figuring that out is a big thing and it's important that we all, I think we all do that. Right. And sometimes it takes mm. a long time. Like I, I totally was way late when I figured out who I was. Like that was, you know, it was obviously before I knew you, but you know, not much before I knew you. And it took a massive, you know, divorce separation thing and my whole life kind of getting flipped on its head before I realized what was going on. And I was in, I was in my thirties, you know, so that was crazy, you know, but that was, yeah. you know, but that, that's the, you know, sometimes that's when things, you know, the greatest things can happen. Right. And yeah, yeah, you know, you kind of cement and figure it out and go for it and lock some stuff up and you're like, no, fuck this. I'm doing this, you know, and I got to figure it out. Um, you know, yeah. you got to go for some stuff. So it's interesting. Yeah, um, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think one of the things is like, it's, it's funny cause when we were talking the other day, we talked about the interview that we had together <laughs> and, and I don't know if you thought any more about that because I know that I wanted to talk to you about it because, you know, like just so that we're clear, you, you as your opening, your opener was basically, I don't know why you would hire me for the job, <laughs> you know, pretty oh, yeah, much. Yeah. I, I do remember that. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. what, what, I mean, did you, have you thought about why you were like that? I know we kind of talked about it a little bit, but like, you know, have you really like dug into that? Because I don't know, like you could call it imposter syndrome, I guess, but I like, yeah. I don't know if that's specifically what it was. I don't think it was imposter syndrome. Yeah. I think it was, it actually just was my actual belief that right. like I knew I was not, I guess like a, I, I guess I probably would, there would be better people out there who could do the job. Like 
well. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like sure. I knew that I was not the the best that you could get. Sure. <laughs> sure. But I had a I had a pretty firm belief yeah. that I could do it. Yeah. If I was given the opportunity. Yeah. And I think, you know, I guess that was how I was trying to sell myself, which was that I'm, I'm, I'm not very good in that I don't have the skills that yeah. you need. Yes. But I've got the attitude. Like, I, I'm, I'm going to, like, you know, I'm going to take a punch in the face for this job. Sure. Like, I could do that if I needed to. Yes, and that, that was clear. Wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, no, but you were going to give it, you were, you're going to give it, you know, the old 110% you know, I'll do anything to, to do this. Yeah. yeah. But the, I guess what's ironic is when I thought about it is, is that, you know, I, I felt the same of myself in that, in the role that I was in. There could mm. be many other people that are better suited to do this job than, mm. than me, but I, it happens to be me. And I think that know, every day still. Yeah. Or... Well, we all do. Right. Um, there's always a better people out there, you know, but that's only because you look at them through the perspective of what you're thinking of yourself. You know, the thing that I've realized in talking to all these people is, is that they, they also feel the same way about themselves, you Mm -hmm. know, and it's this really weird, um, you know, sort of thing where everybody's, you know, can look at somebody else and go, well, they, they look like they've got it all together and that they could do it better. And, and in reality, they are going through the very similar things in, in different categories of their lives. Right. Yeah. They might, Mm -hmm. maybe they're really good at their job, but you know, maybe not at home maybe their other relationships are suffering or you know or maybe they wish that things were different you know in the other parts of their lives you know and so everybody's got this the, the thing you know um and mm. ironically they probably look at you and go wow you really you know you've got all your shit together you know i just thought it was really interesting that uh you know the way that you presented it was you know hey look I, i'm <laughs> i don't know why you would why why you would take me but i would do a really good job if you give me the opportunity <laughs> it's like this really weird round table of like kind of chasing you around the table no no Gigi, we should totally do this and you're like well yeah yeah but there's better people you know it was just easily one of the most interesting interviews i've done where I was like, no, like we're going to do this. And you were still like, oh, okay. Well, you let me know if you really want to do this. I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure I'm going to, that I'm going to hire you. We're going to do this. You want to do the job, Gigi? (laughs) No, I really do the job well. I was like, oh man, this is going to be fun. (laughs) This is going to be fun. Oh, well. In saying that though, Joe, like in saying that, like, you know, why did you hire me to turn this around? Yeah, yeah. So I hired you because... One, because of the sort of weird insecurity, um, because, because, oh, no, no, because I believe that when somebody expresses a want and desire to do a thing, even if they don't have experience, that their motivation outweighs experience. So if somebody's going to come in and work really hard and do what it takes to get a job done, and, 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 and no matter what, like you, you say you had no practical experience because you just hadn't worked in it, but you definitely knew what the job would entail and the ropes of it, right? And so you, you understand what getting in the ring might look like. And so it wasn't like you were blind to it. So it wasn't like I was taking some blind punt and just went, oh, well, let's just hope this works out. But, but your want desire far outweighed anything and so i was like well it doesn't matter what i'm going to throw at her um you know the environment is going to dictate the outcome based on the effort that you put in right and so i had an absolute belief that no matter what was thrown your way you were going to go after it right and so i was like well this is the type of person we need someone that has 
uh, there was also a level of your um, sort of, and, and I don't, it wasn't as clear now as it was, um, or it wasn't as clear then as it is now, but it, the, the school teacher in you, right? And so you have like the organization. <laughs> well, it was a lot like that. We need somebody who's going to kind of go, no, that's not good enough. And I needed a lot more of that, right? And so there was a lot of that sort of composure you had and how you would probably structure your job that we needed to then, you know, put some structure and practice in place. And that's something I did when I came in and it kind of like mm. rocked the bone and everybody freaked out, but then everybody kind of accepted it a bit more and, you know, a bunch of stuff. But like, you know, I knew you were going to bring to the table a lot more composure with this energy uh, to somebody who had a real desire to get skill. Right. And, you know, I even say this now, I'd rather hire someone green with no experience than someone with a lot of experience. Who's going to tell me all the ways that they can't get a job done because mm. you know, of their, because their experience dictates that it has to be done a specific way. Mm. Uh, and in a startup in the environment we were in, it was a perfect fit because it was like, no, you're going to model yourself to the environment's chaos, uh, mm. and, and, and get the experience as the trade-off, but at the same time, bring a level of composure about what you're going to do because you, you know how you want to execute it. And that was what was clear to me in the interview outside of you saying, no, there's other people out there that have experience. Uh, why would you hire me? It was like, no, but you, you know what you want to do to get your experience. And it, you seemed very clear in that in, in a way. So, you know, yeah, it was your motivation and your want and desire that won it for me. Um, you know, like obviously you had an internal referral, you got to interview this person. I think that they'd be, you know, a good addition to the team. Uh, and I said, well, yeah, all right, cool. I'll go, I'll go and do it. Um, and you know, of course we, uh, we had a good chat and yeah, I chased you around the table. It was a very long chat. It was a very long chat. I mean, I feel like we could chat for quite some time. We both like to talk. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's the fun. Right. And so, you know, the adventure in like actually hearing each other and having a conversation is, is more enjoyable. Right. Um, just Mm. talking at people and them nodding and going, yeah, okay, great. And how do I get out of this is just such a total (laughs) fucking nightmare. You know what I mean? Like there's people out there that just that, you know, it's like the good morning people that don't want to say good morning to you, but they say it. And then you, you then I fucking totally lock them down. <laughs> and, then they, and they're like, like I don't oh, engage. shit. Don't, don't engage. Don't engage. That's right. That's right. So they'll say, oh, good morning. I'm like, hey, good, hey, good morning. How are you? And I go into a whole thing. Oh, what are you doing? Oh, and then I'll joy. tell them about my dream and I'll lock them up. And then they're stuck in the kitchen with me. And I'm just like, yeah, that's right. Don't hollow good morning me. You know me. <laughs> Fucking give me, just don't say good morning fake to it with me don't fake it give me the real shit fucking or don't say anything to me <laughs> oh man yeah it's interesting i i you know i find uh i find there's that, that that kind of sort of window of our of our overlap there where we work together was it was an interesting time i think for both of us and I'm, you know we don't think we have to get into the detail of it specifically but then now you've mm. moved obviously moved into you know the role that you've been in for the last three plus years. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's good. I mean, uh, I know that I'm happy that you're happy, which is cool. It makes me feel good that you're happy and you know, the work that you're doing and that you're, you're getting something from it, which is a great moment considering, you know, where we started, uh, you know, our relationship started. So it's a cool thing to see that happen for you. Um, Absolutely. You know, if you told me three and a half, four years ago that I would be here today, um, you know, um, you know, and also you know, when I say today as well, I mean where I'm on like the path that I'm on. Yep. Um, I probably would have laughed. Yeah. Um, but you know, it has been a journey and yeah. it's definitely been ups and downs. Like I can't 
say that like every part of this experience has been fantastic Mm. from, you know, the moment I decided not to be a teacher anymore to where I am now. I can't say, you know, I took a lot of step backs, you Mm. know, to get to where I am now. I, you know, took a lot of pay cuts and I did jobs that I probably, you know, was overqualified to do, but you know, you do them because it's that experience. It's like, how much do you want something? Like you talked about motivation and and how badly do you want something or Mm. or what do you want? It takes experience to understand what you want. Like if I had met you, you know, right when I'd finished teaching, Mm. I don't know if I would have had the experience to be able to say that this is what I wanted to do. Yeah. It's that experience of like moving through mm. those different jobs, the things that I learned about myself within those jobs mm. that led me to where I am now to be able to say, well, this is actually what I enjoy. And in saying that, you know, like I feel like I've kind of evolved past even, you know, the product side of things mm. to, to, to move on to something else, a new challenge, something mm. different. Mm. And I think that's, what we do as humans, right? We're always evolving. We're always changing and Mm. we have to be open to that change Mm. and, and challenge. Yeah. No, I think that's exactly it. Right. You always got to be on it. It's sort of like in a weird way. And this sounds really odd, but like it's, you're always on the hunt for that next thing. Mm. Right. And finding that next new challenge. Um, I, there, there, I just remembered another thing. It's like about why, um, I gave you the job and it's, um, I always, so I'm, uh, I'm a real self-taught person. So like everything I feel like I've done is because I've learned it myself and I've chased mm-hmm. it and I've gone after things. And, um, you know, there's been the odd occasion where somebody's just believed in me. Right. And mm-hmm. just said, you know what? I did like, I knew I didn't have the experience or whatever. And I was been in your shoes And Mm. sometimes it just takes someone to believe in you to push you to go somewhere. And I think that was also a part of it as well is is that I was like, look, I can, I believe in you. So let's just do this. Right. And let me back you. Um, You know, because I believe that when I find the, find people that are capable of things that, you know, believing them is, it it gives them motivation and, and, and it gives them opportunity. So yeah, that was one of the things. And, and that's also, I think why, you know, you, you look, people believe in themselves, but you know, that's also a thing where if you see people that are capable of doing things, you also have to give them opportunity, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that's, that's a, another thing that's important in, in all the things that we kind of do in life. Right. And so you got to take opportunities, you got to chase opportunities. And when you can help yeah. somebody get an opportunity, you got to help them out, yeah. get there. Absolutely. So, I believe that. Mm. And it's, it's, it's interesting here because you have people who, it's one of those situations where you're trying to start out in your career and you're trying to get a job, but everyone's looking for someone with experience. But it's like, well, how do I get this experience if no one gives me the opportunity mm. to build that experience to be able to, yeah. to do the role? Yeah. And it's just this like, what do you do? Mm. And I, 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 I'm, you know, I prescribed the same thing as you, which is that I really do believe your attitude mm. that's, that's the important thing. Like how do you approach a problem? How do you approach work? How do you see things? Mm. That for me is more important than you've been doing this for five years. Mm. You've had more experience, but you don't care. Yeah. You just like, meh, like I could do it with my eyes closed. So I don't, whatever. Yeah. As opposed to someone who's you know, passionate to learn, they've got that energy and they want to, to grow. Mm that that's so important yeah 
man. Well, JG, that sounds like a great place to end it, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like I've taken out quite a bit of your No, <laughs> it's exactly what it is. No, it's all good. It's, it's, it's you know, I mean, this whole thing is about just having a chat and seeing what happens to a certain degree with, a, you know, sort of a, a concept of, you know, how do people work through their, their stuff, right? And I think we covered all those bases and kind of got into some really interesting little topics there. So I yeah. really appreciate you taking the time. We did do the long, this will be the record holder. For the oh, longest, really? yeah, you're gonna hold the record, which suits Woo. us because we can talk forever. Oh, I mean, like I could go, like I could continue talking. I have many things to talk about. Most of it, oh, probably not that interesting, really. I think it's interesting. <laughs> Gigi, but, I mean, um, it's not a competition, but have you put anybody to sleep by talking to them? Um, I don't think so. I mean, like. I also make sure I throw in a few extra like spicy bits. Oh, do so you? That, right. You, know, Are you really think about your audience. Bit, yeah. Yeah. It's a bit boring. It was like yeah. a jolt. We're like, oh, yeah. it wasn't asleep. So, yeah. you know, like, uh, keep, you got to keep them hooked in a little bit. I think so. Yeah. I've knocked two people out. I've, I've actually had two people oh. fall asleep on me when I, you know, like late nights, you're just chatting away or whatever. And mm. then you, know, you turn around and I'm like, Are you Never sleeping? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've it's not quite. That, unfortunately, I'm sorry. You win. You win. On yeah, that I know. It's not quite like having sex with somebody they fall asleep on you, though. It's like not that bad. <laughs> yeah, it's close though, because you're like, are you sleeping? Like, all right. Well, <laughs> why didn't you just say you were tired? Like, I could have shut up a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I need someone to tell me to stop. Yeah, just, Otherwise, this could just keep going. I can go forever. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. <laughs> well, Gigi, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Joe. It's actually really lovely to catch up yeah. uh, with you when we, you know, for the coffee. Really nice to have this conversation. I mean, I don't know who's going to find this interesting. Um, well, that's the fun bit because everybody everybody finds their little bits in these things. So that's the fun well, part. Yeah. Well, I hope I was able to you know share some insight or something to somebody that they can relate to um, and help them find who they want to be or where they want to go. Yeah. Well, I think they will. And, uh, and thanks again, Gigi. All right. No worries, Joe. Have a good one. You too. Cheers. Bye. Bye. have it that is gg saying everybody a uh, a long meandering conversation that kind of covered uh where gg's from what she's been through the trials and tribulations of uh you know her her upbringing and the different bits and pieces that define the person that uh, you just listened to i uh i didn't know uh the story and i am very uh grateful that she shared it with me and and I got to kind of ride shotgun on this journey this time with somebody who was very willing to, you know, kind of tell me that stuff. I, uh, I appreciate that. And uh, I think it's great that she's confident enough to share. Maybe it's not deep insight, but I mean, it's stuff, you know, it's, it's her detail. It's her, her story. It's her inner thing. And it makes her who she is. And, um, you know, and it's good to have a laugh about the, the, the good bits and, and kind of dig into it. I, um, yeah, so that that is uh, a wrap on that one. I appreciate you guys sticking it out. It's uh, it's been fun. I uh, I hope that uh, you guys enjoyed it. I know I did, and I had a great time talking to Gigi today. So thanks everybody, and uh, yeah, feedback if you've got it. Always happy to hear more uh, insights as to how you guys are taking this thing in and how you are perceiving it. I uh, I, I know that uh, I'll make small modifications here and there. 
but fundamentally I'm just kind of like doing the thing, the thing that I'm doing. So, uh, yeah, feedback where you can, uh, let me reach out for that interview. I know a few of you have, and I appreciate it. So thank you very much. And, uh, yeah, everybody, I'll talk to you guys later. Cheers. <laughs>